In the message this morning, uh, you see a couple of mics up here. Just at a random time during the message, several people are going to stand up and sing. Not really, okay? <laughs> what Those of you who have, I handed different people uh, a verse. And so if you didn't get one from me, it, that's great if the Lord's inspiring you to share a verse. You can do that after the service, okay? And then what we'll do is the ones who have those... Um, it says, like in your bulletin, you'll see there's one, two, three, four, five, six. So all of you who got that on the top of your page has the number one or two or three or four or five or six. So when we get to that point, if you could move toward the front. If you're already at the front, that's fine. But if you're not, if you could move toward the front during that point. And so don't be distracted if people are walking forward uh, during a point. Okay, it doesn't mean they're repenting for their sins. It could mean they're just coming forward to read a verse and hopefully they repent of their sins, but we don't have to all do do that in public. So have I messed that up? And everybody's totally distracting and think, wow, this is a crazy service. (laughs) You ain't seen nothing yet, right? No, Um, but seriously, Christmas is a serious time. Uh, our culture says, oh, it's a silly, it doesn't matter what you believe, you, as long as you just believe and you have this Christmas season, faith and joy, there would be no faith and joy ever on planet earth if it were not for the Lord Jesus Christ. He died to pay the penalty for our sins. He came to give his life a ransom. So when we celebrate Christmas, we also celebrate Easter. We celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the focus this morning is the birth of the Christ. But he is so much more than the baby in a manger. And because he is so much more than the baby in a manger, he deserves our devotion. And so... Today, we're going to look at other roles that he has as part of coming to be our Savior, and then we're going to look at his the devotion that we owe to him because of who he is and what he has done. Is that PowerPoint not working? Oh, it is. Okay. Now, at the can you go two slides, one more? And then at the end, when we get to this devotion again... Um, that he deserves your devotion, I'm going to share with you three little things that help me, and I've I've shared them in the order they work for me. So there are three things, and they could work for you in that same order, I don't know, but uh, just to help us focus on our devotion to the Lord. How many of you think it's easy to get distracted in this day and age? Yeah, that's one of the reasons I'm not on Facebook. It's not because I don't like you people. It's not because I don't want to hear about what's happening to your third cousin who lives in Tuscaloosa. Uh, The fact is, if I got on Facebook, I'd never get off. Uh, There's always another link. And, And so I've just decided for me, it's safer to not get on. And I've never been on Facebook and it's not evil. It's well, some stuff on there is evil, but but it's great. A lot of people stay in touch and and appreciate that. And I have people telling me, "Hey, I saw a post your kids made," and so I'll call my kids and say, "Can you send it to me?" You know, because I'm not on there. And uh, but listen, the the Christian faith is both personal and corporate. If you don't know Jesus Christ on the inside of you, if you don't have the 
the witness of the Holy Spirit that you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you are not on your way to heaven. You may be a good person, but you're on your way to hell until you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. And as you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, he works in you differently than he works in some other people. We have some people in this room who after they got saved, they had to learn to stop punching people. And other people in this room who've never had to punch, a, never had a thought about punching a person in their life. God works in your heart to draw you closer to him through the person and work of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, we're not going to have, sometimes at the end of the service, we have an invitation for you to respond to the Lord. We're going to do something different at the end of the service today, and, and so we're not going to do it quite that way. We'll have a closing song, but not an invitation. But I want you to understand, if you're here this morning and you're not sure that if you walked out, got in your car, and got in an accident after church and died, if you're not certain you'd be in heaven, then don't rush out. Stay and talk to someone. Let us show you from the Word of God how you can know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Father, we do thank you for who you are, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the way that you have worked to bring about our salvation. Thank you for the amazing truth of Scripture that Jesus Christ was born into humanity and he became our Savior through his own suffering and death and resurrection. And so today we celebrate not just the babe in the manger, but so much more. We celebrate all that Jesus Christ is and all that he has done and will do for us. In his name we pray, amen. So the first thing that I want you to think about this morning is that Jesus is not just a baby in the manger. He is God the creator. He is God the creator. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to John chapter 1, and together we're going to look at several verses in the Gospel of John, and then we'll have other people stepping up and reading other verses for us. So in the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, okay. in John chapter 1, look at verse 1, in the beginning... Now this is the beginning before the beginning in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, before God created the heaven and the earth. That's in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. This is before that. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him was nothing made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. He is God, the creator. So in Luke chapter 2, when it says Jesus was born, he is God, the creator, born into human flesh. He's the one who spoke creation into existence. So in Genesis 1, when God said, let there be light, the voice of God was the Lord Jesus Christ. God the Son in eternity past, speaking creation into existence, and then being uh, conceived in the womb of a virgin, and being born and living a sinless life. He is God, the creator. 
And John's going to read from Colossians. Go ahead and read that reference. Colossians 1, 16, 17. For by him all things were created, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. So he is before. He always existed. Um, he is the Son of God and God the Son born into humanity. And when Jesus Christ was born, he had to learn how to talk. He had to learn how to walk. Somebody had to change his diapers. Or if you're British, his nappies. He, he had somebody had to feed him. He couldn't feed himself. And as a very young child, even after he's eaten solid food, somebody else had to cut it up for him. Aren't you glad we're not birds? Or mama bird chews it up, gets it nice and soft, and then spits it in the mouth of the baby bird? Uh, I like cutting it up for him, not having to chew it up for them. He is God the Creator. And He who spoke the stars into existence learned to see the stars from the eyes of a child at night in Israel. So when we celebrate the birth of our Savior, we celebrate so much more than just a baby in a manger. Not only is He God the Creator, secondly, He is God with us. God with us. So, uh, several of you have verses. Can you step up and be ready to read those? Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall, con the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. All right. And following along with that, Matthew 1, 22 and 3 reminds us of what was said in Isaiah. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. God with us. Right, Luke chapter 1. This is when the angel first appeared to Mary. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. The Son of God. God with us. It's beyond our minds to fully grasp this. I mean, maybe you've had the opportunity to be in the presence of royalty or in the presence of people in, in great positions of power in the United States. Maybe you've had that opportunity in your life. But nothing compares to knowing the God of all the universe who came into humanity so that we could find our way to God the Father. 
No one can come to the Father but by me, Jesus said in John 14. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And He is God with us. Now, some of you were good kids, right? How many of you were good kids when you were good? You know, most of the time. I know nobody ever is all the time, but... You know, I was a good kid sometimes. And, and so there were, there's, there's, everybody has certain measure of goodness in them, right? But everybody also has a measure of badness in them. I'm, I'm sure if you wanted to think about it right now, you could think of one or two things you've done wrong in your lifetime, right? Over the course of your whole life, you've probably done at least one or two things wrong. And Jesus came to pay the penalty for those sins. But God wanted you to be part of his eternal family and you couldn't do it on your own so God came down to make it happen I was in a study uh, last well all this uh, last several months this semester I was in a study with some guys up at International Baptist College and we were studying New Testament uh, theology and one of the issues that was brought up we were talking about Jesus Christ being the mediator between God and man. The Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Now, normally when you think of a mediator, what do you think of? And what, what's the role of a mediator normally? To help people get along. It, it's two opposing sides, right? It doesn't matter whether it's a husband and wife seeking marriage counseling, whether it's a child and a parent having stresses. or There's a mediator who steps in for often it's in, in business. They're, they're the arbitrator, the mediator steps in to pull these two kind of warring sides together. It, this is the person we want in, elected in Congress, right? The one who can pull the two sides together. Uh, we haven't seen that person yet. Uh, but it, but it may happen someday, right? It will happen when Christ rules on the earth. Uh, but until then, uh, so the mediator, we tend to think the mediator is, there's two people and the mediator is kind of unbiased in the middle, trying to pull them both toward reasonableness. Does that make sense? Does that resonate with you? That's the role of a human mediator. But see, Jesus isn't that kind of mediator. Okay, we're going to pretend that Gary East is sinful man, okay? Can you handle that? Okay. I said we're going to pretend. All right? So, so here's the mediator. Gary East is sinful man. Where's the mediator? God the Son is with God the Father, right? They're in total harmony and total unity. So God the Son doesn't step in between this opposingness and try and pull them both together. What God the Son does is He brings God the Father all the way to us because we couldn't get to God. So Jesus brings God the Father all the way to sinful man. Sorry about that. You just happen to be sitting in the lucky chair. Uh, but, but see, he's not the mediator trying to appease to opposing sides. He brings the Father all the way to the ones who have no strength and no hope and no capacity to do what's right before God. And he brings God all the way to us. It's a totally different kind of, of uh, mediatorship. It's not human. It's the divine mediatorship. And so because he brought 
God the Father all the way to us, then he can be the mediator and all we have to do is reach out and receive him and receive that gift of salvation. That if we believe in our heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, then we can be saved because he died to pay the penalty for our sins. He rose from the grave in his own power. God with us. This is not just, you know, God's up in a happy cloud somewhere and we're down here in a not-so-happy cloud. And, and so we kind of have this knowledge of God being up there. This is God coming down to humanity to be with us. And when Jesus Christ left the earth, he said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm leaving another one just like me, the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit indwells the believer. When you ask Christ to be your Savior, he will. He said, I'll never cast out those who come to me. So you ask him to be your Savior, he will. And he leaves the Holy Spirit inside you so that you have God with you everywhere you go. Now when Moses stood before the burning furnace, before the... When Moses stood before the burning bush, okay? When Moses stood before the burning bush and he walked up, what did God tell him? What was the first thing he told Moses to do? Take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. Why was he on holy ground? Because he was in the very presence of God. Okay, if you are a believer, you have the very presence of God everywhere you go. doesn't mean you have to go barefoot everywhere. But it does mean you have to be aware that holy God is with you everywhere you go. God with us is not just the baby in the manger. It's the reality of our daily lives through the person and work of the Holy Spirit of God because he is still here representing Jesus the Christ. All right, number three, Jesus is God incarnate. God incarnate. What does incarnate mean? Well, what is car carnal? What is carnal? It's fleshly, right? So in, uh, in uh, well, when we were in Cuba and in Brazil, Brazil's what I was, in Brazil they have a, a carnival every year. It's big and a lot of Latin American countries have it. They have it in Cuba and, and carnival is the celebration of the flesh. It's a very sensual, very erotic, very inappropriate celebration that they have and, and they just rejoice in the fleshliness. And so incarnate means God comes into humanity. It wasn't just the God Spirit coming upon this man, Jesus. It was God himself stepping into humanity. God incarnate in the flesh. Say, well, how could that happen? How could God say, let there be light and there was light? How could God say, I'd like some stars in the firmament of the heavens? And there were and there are. And they're burning brightly and amazingly. And some of them are big, huge things that make our sun look like the size of a peanut. And, and God spoke them into existence. I don't have to explain the miracles of God. I just have to believe them because that's what God's Word clearly says. And that's what makes sense. 
God incarnate. So look again in John four, John chapter one, sorry, and verse fourteen, John one fourteen, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Who's writing those words? John. What was John's role? He was an apostle called by Jesus. And he served God. He served with Christ. And then he served after Christ ascended into heaven. And he served the early church still very late in the first century. John probably died in his mid to late 90s. So he'd been around a long time. And John says, we beheld his glory. Remember there was a moment when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration and Peter, James, and John were there and Jesus was transfigured before them and they saw him in his glory and they had this affirmation that this is the one and then John later saw him ascend up into heaven with his own power. He's walking on the earth, he's talking with them and then he just starts going up. I've always wanted to do a jetpack. But but a jetpack wouldn't be anything like what Jesus did. He didn't blast off. He didn't say, up, up, and away. He just rose up. Because he's God in the flesh. We beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Why? Because the Word, the Lord Jesus Christ, the living Word, became flesh and dwelt among us. All right, we have a couple of verses here, Colossians 2, 9 and 10, and then Matthew 16. fullness of the Godhead bodily in Jesus Christ. When we get to heaven, I think we'll see maybe an an image of the Father, uh, uh, something showing us the glory of the Father and of the Holy Spirit, but the person we will see is the Lord Jesus Christ in bodily form, the fullness of the Godhead. All right, Matthew. Matthew 16, 16 through 17. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. God, in the flesh, you are the Christ, the Son of God, the Son of the living God, the fullness of the Godhead bodily in Jesus Christ. Not just a cute little baby. God incarnate. The fourth thing, this is, this is, it gets better, you know. This one's really, really, really good. Without this, we could just be in awe of who he was, but this one is really special for each of us. He is God, our Savior. He is God, our 
Savior. From Matthew 1. Go ahead. The angel Gabriel shows up and he talks to Mary and he tells her this amazing thing is going to happen and she is going to conceive even though she's a woman. And then he said that he's going to be named Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Isn't that cool? He will save his people from their sins. All right, Luke chapter 1, verse 46. Oh, we still got more. Is that one not working? Okay. Extra workout. (laughs) And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. All right. The reason why I wanted the mics on, I know you could hear them, most of them without it, but in the recording it sounds really weird to have dead air and they don't know what it's saying. So some folks listen online, so we wanted that. All right, Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He's God our Savior. That, that's why He came. He didn't come so that you could realize your full potential. He didn't come so He could be the leader of the self-improvement group. He came to die in your place, to pay your penalty. And so in your head, when you picture them pounding the nails into His hands, He's suffering for you. And when the darkness covered... And he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It's because God was pouring out the wrath those sins deserved. And your sins were paid for on the cross by Jesus Christ. Because he is God, our Savior. I know you know this verse, but I want you to turn or click on it uh, and, and look at John chapter 3 and verse 16. This is very familiar. Often this is one of the first verses that people memorize. I've known unsaved people who can memorize and quote John 3.16. I worked with an atheist who taught her kids John 3.16 because she thought it was important for them to learn a little bit of the Bible. And I hoped those kids ended up getting saved. By the way, that was before I was a pastor when I worked with an atheist, just to clarify, okay? It's not anybody on the church staff right now. Just clarify. All right, John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world, or the people that are in the world, 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, I want to go back to this illustration we were talking about. Keep your spot there. We'll look again. That illustration we were talking about, God the Father being over here and sinful man being over there. And God didn't look at at sinful man and say, you know, I want to save them, so come here, boy. I'm going to make you pay. That's not what God did. Because God is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. So in eternity past, God, Father, Son, and Spirit discussed the creation of man. They probably didn't have to talk about it because they were just in total sync, and so their minds were clearly understanding each other. And they planned out the redemption of man. And Jesus Christ planned to come as God the Son and the Son of God and pay that penalty. A lot of people get really caught up. How is God showing love if he makes his son suffer like that? I mean, honestly, I have two boys. I wouldn't want them to have to suffer for anybody's sins, not even their own. So why would I give them to pay the penalty for somebody else who hated me? That's what God did. But it wasn't the father bullying the son and pouring out his wrath on on his son and being mean to his own son to save everybody else. It was the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, making that determination that this is what would take place. And then before anything happened, before God created the heavens and the earth, God had already planned this. That's why Jesus is called the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. From before God established the heavens and the earth, Jesus had already agreed to be the one who would pay that penalty. He's our Savior. He is God, our Savior. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whoever believes in Him should not perish. Isn't that great? Not perish. On foods now, they have expiration dates, right? They have perishing dates on foods. Yeah, some of you are like me. You can remember when food didn't have a perishing date. It still perished, though, didn't it? (laughs) It still went bad. But see, you have a date for the end of your life. God knows your days. They're numbered. And it's not like God's sitting there, you know, (laughs) your days are numbered, buddy. (laughs) That's not God. But God knows exactly when your days will be. And what God wants is to see you trust him. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Because he's not just a God of justice and a God of wrath. He's a God of love. And he so loved that he made a way for us to be so saved that we could be saved to the uttermost because he loved us and cared for us. Look at verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus didn't come here to show us how angry God was at our sins. He came here to show us how much God loved us and cared for us 
and wanted to save us. And Jesus was willing to be part of that salvation process so that we could experience the forgiveness of sins. Because he's awesome. He's not just a baby in the manger. He is God, our Savior. And look at number five. He is Christ, our brother. Christ, our brother. Back to John chapter 1. John chapter 1 and verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. All right, let's pick on Gary East just a little bit more. Gary, when did you trust Christ as your Savior? About 11 years old? Okay, so that was like 80 years ago? No. <laughs> 110 years ago, he said. All right, so when he was a kid, about 11 years old, he trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. And and so what we just read from Scripture says, that didn't happen because Gary woke up someday and said, I'm going to be a child of God. No, it happened because as the Scripture describes it elsewhere, God the Father moves in hearts and God the Holy Spirit is bringing conviction of sin. So as the Father's drawing and the Spirit's bringing conviction of sin, He can trust in the Son and be saved. And from that moment, when He was 11 years old, He's been a child of God. Now, He doesn't look like a little kid. He's a little kid on the inside, but not on the outside. He is 100% a child of God because God made it happen and he received the gift of salvation and he is a child of God. Did you notice that God doesn't have grandkids? You know, I, I love having kids and I love having grandkids, but I love seeing my kids just as much as I love seeing my grandkids. And I know some people are like, my dad used to say, man, if I'd known how great having grandkids was, I'd have skipped the kids and gone straight to grandkids. Well, knowing my dad's kids, I can see why he'd say that. But, but you know, I love having kids and I love having grandkids. Some of you have great grandkids. Some of you have great, great grandkids. God doesn't. He has kids. And so your kids and your grandkids have to become a child of God the exact same way you do. Believing and trusting in Jesus Christ. And then Christ becomes our brother because God gave us the right to become children of of God. I have a younger brother who's adopted, and he's been in our family, seems like forever. We forget that he was adopted. He's so much like us. And I was just with my siblings last week, seeing my dad. My dad's not doing well, and we all got together to spend some time with him. We don't know what the future holds, but he's in decline right now. So unless he plateaus or gets better, 
um, we wanted to make sure we all got together. And so we spent some time with him on Friday, and then Friday evening we all had dinner together, and it was loud and it was rowdy. And you can ask my wife, I'm the quiet one in my family. And it was a loud and rowdy time. And, and as we were getting, you know, I, I love my brother. He, he was not born of our mom. He's related to us through, um, anyway. But God makes us adopted into his family. And when God adopts you into his family, you're fully it. You know, I learned something when my little brother was adopted. Um, my dad and I were not having a good relationship at that point in time. And my dad pointed out that legally, he could throw me out on the street. But he couldn't do that to my brother because my brother was legally adopted. So he had to provide for him. Now, the way God adopts us is not like the way man does. God adopts us as a son of inheritance. And ladies, lest you get offended, son of inheritance is a big thing even for the ladies. Because in their culture, Old Testament culture and some Middle Eastern cultures today, women are devalued. And God said, women are a son of inheritance. They get the first rank of inheritance. And you see, in, in Mid-Eastern culture, the elder son would be the son of inheritance. And so the girls and the other sons wouldn't. But in God's family, everyone becomes a son of inheritance. Because Jesus Christ is our brother. Not, you know, I don't think we're going to hang out and backslap Jesus. I think we're going to be in awe of him when we see him in heaven. I hope I get to give him a hug because I come from a big family of huggers. I'd love to give Jesus a hug and be hugged back by him. But listen, he chooses to become our brother. And he gives us, be careful, you hear this whole thing. Equal footing in the family of God. We're not equal to Jesus by any means. But Jesus makes us have equal footing in the family. We deserve to be in God's family just as much as he does. Because of what he did for us. He's Christ, our brother. Who has Galatians 4? Okay, thanks, Ben. Galatians 4. 4 through 7, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now that word Abba kind of could be translated daddy, and I don't think you should pray dear daddy. I think there needs to be an awe of whole holiness to God, awe of who he is in his holiness. And my mother-in-law was visiting a church once where the pastor got up and started to pray, and he said, dear daddy, I'm not certain that was sin, but I do think we have to have an awe and respect and submission to who God is. So we pray our Heavenly Father, but we understand that He's also Dad. He's not just our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He's also our Dad, the one who loves and cares for us every day. 
And so Christ has become our brother because God gave us to receive us as the adoption of sons and brought us into the family. So Jesus will always be the firstborn of creation. He's always the most exalted son, the only perfect son, the son who rules heaven and earth. But, but we are also God's kids because God's amazing love and grace and Jesus' tremendous sacrifice for us. And unfortunately, not everybody benefits from what Jesus has done. He is not welcome everywhere. Are you still in John chapter 1? Unfortunately, he's not welcome everywhere. Look in John chapter 1, verse 9. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. He's not welcome everywhere. There are some people who are going to reject. Some people who are going to mock. What really hurts is when it's our biological family or our friends who are doing this rejecting and hurting. Uh, and It's hard when people you really care about don't receive the truth of God's Word. But what you need to do is make sure He's welcome in your heart and in your life every day. You will never lose the Holy Spirit. It's a gift given to you. It's God's earnest money. It's the sign of the inheritance. You'll have the Holy Spirit till you're called into heaven. The Holy Spirit will live in you until you live with Him. But you need to live in a way that pleases the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Live in a way that provides the fullness of what He wants to see in your heart and life. He's not welcome everywhere. There's some people who reject and some people who ignore. But we need to be the ones who don't do either of those. So we said at the beginning, He is more than a baby in the manger and therefore He deserves your devotion. And I thought I was going to share three simple words with you that describe what uh, devotion should look like. And the words are obedience and trust and love. Now see, I trusted Christ for my salvation long before I tried to be obedient to Him. But in my own life, my relationship with the Lord, I started focusing on obedience First, I trusted Him for salvation, and then I was trying to obey Him. And some days I still struggle with that because I'm still in the flesh. You know, there's a way you can tell that people still occasionally struggle with sin. You can look at them and tell. If they're still breathing, they still have some struggles sometimes. Okay, When they stop breathing, they're probably not struggling anymore. They're with Him in glory. But obedience, and then... The trust, not for salvation, but the trust for daily life. Life hurts. 
Life on earth is painful. And sometimes we know we're saved, and we know we'll end up in heaven someday, but why is God allowing this? And I've come up to the theological understanding of reading through and studying the Bible, and I've come to this conclusion. We know why God is doing things because we have no clue. (laughs) We know God's at work, but we don't know what He's doing all the time. Sometimes He lets it hurt so much. But we need to trust Him with the circumstances of our lives. And then for me, even deeper, learning to love Him, not just trust Him. Now maybe for you, those aren't the three words that help you think about your devotion for the Lord. And maybe they show up in different order. Some of you are so thrilled with your salvation, you're just in love with Jesus immediately. That's not how it worked for me. But here's what you need to do. He deserves, deserves your devotion. And devotion is not just, hey, let's show up on Sunday at church. We'll have a little devotional and then we'll go home. Devotion is every day you think about Him. Every day you remember you're a child of God. Every day you walk with Him. And you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And you allow God to work in your heart and life. Because He's so much more than a baby in the manger. He didn't come to look cute. He came to seek and to save. And He loves you. And He wants you to have the fullness of a life in God. So much so that He brought God all the way to you. And now He wants you to join Him in the family of God. So if you're here this morning and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, please don't leave. Please Stay. Trust Him. Let us show you from Scripture how you can know that you're saved. Because a lot of churches teach you can't really be sure. I, I used to preach uh, memorial services for, I was the fill-in for a, a mortuary down in Sawarita. They did, and they, anytime somebody didn't have a regular church home, they'd call me. And my only two conditions were that I had to be able to meet with the family ahead of time and talk about the person that I had to share our hope in Jesus Christ. And so the, the mortuary director called on me lots and lots and lots of times to do memorial services for families that I met after the death of a loved one. And I was talking with him about it one day, and he said, you know, I like your memorial services more than anybody else's. And I said, really? I said, Why? And he said, well, you make it sound so confident, like, like we can really know that we're going to see God. And he said, I sure hope you're right. He spent his whole life helping families deal with the death of a loved one, and he didn't have a confidence in his relationship in Christ. And so we would really love for you to know that confidence and show you from the Word of God how you can have that confidence in Him. But maybe you're here and, you know, life hurts and life gets busy and maybe this past week you worked 70 hours and you didn't give much thought to your devotions or 
maybe to anything else. Christ wants to rule in your daily life. Every single day. He is Lord. He wants you to acknowledge that and follow Him. So, as when I say He deserves your devotion, He really does, and He needs to receive it for your sake and for His. Because someday, we're all going to sing praise to Him together. So, in just a minute, we're going to sing, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore You. And that will be the conclusion of our service. We won't really have an invitation. But before we do that... Um, I need some guys to help out here. Can some of you guys uh, come and grab these? So, Aaron, can you jump up and here you, can you hand those to Aaron? All right, here's some over here. Guys or girls, come on, Savannah, you can help out. Oh, yeah. All right. Kristen, will you? I would ask Mark, but he's only got one hand. He's got two, but one's still not working fully. All right, this is just the notes, uh, the the main notes. I meant to keep one, but you know, I don't need to show you what they. Okay, thank you. See, I just thought it. He was already answering it. That's all right. This is just like a bookmark. It'll go in your Bible, and or you can keep it, put it on your refrigerator. Um, we we missed this side of the middle, so if some of you are done, you can help out here. Um, I I made enough for everybody to get one. I think we even have enough for the kids in the nursery, but uh, not in the nursery. That wouldn't help. But the, some of the kids in <laughs> children's church, they could use this. And, and what I want you to do is sometime this week, I want you to look back over this. I want you to read the points. And I, I highlighted or bolded one of the one of the verses in each set, and so at least read that verse, okay? Sometime this week, just to worship God in who He is, because He's an amazing God, and appreciate Jesus Christ for the fullness of what He has done, not just His birth.